Welcome to The Skinny, where we get down to the nitty-gritty of style, fashion, beauty, and living an empowered life. I'm your host, Shazan, a fashion and beauty expert in the industry for 20-plus years, a wife, mom of two, and I'm here to help you become your most beautiful and confident self from the inside out on a savvy budget. Awareness is power. Awareness brings on a different understanding and outlet on people and things in life. And April is a very important month. It is a month of autism awareness. And on April 2nd is actually Autism Awareness Day. But for the entire month, it's a very important month where it's time to focus on the details and bring attention to something that's affecting many of our lives. And there are still so many unanswered questions and misunderstandings. But in addition to that, there are so many people, parents and families, that have done amazing things and have made a tremendous difference in bringing awareness to this disorder that affects, again, all of our lives, either directly or indirectly. So today, with me on the show, is an incredible woman, wife, mom, and a dear, dear friend of mine. She's family. <laughs> and it's Nikki. She has a son with autism and has been on a relentless mission, not only for her son, but for the entire autism community. Nikki, welcome to The Skinny. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. This is... um. This is something that has grown tremendously over the past, I would say, um, more than a decade. I guess maybe over the past 15 years, it seems like this is a disorder that has just, I I don't know, it feels like a fire ablazing. It's just affecting so many more people. You're hearing so many more diagnosis. And um, I mean, it brings like a panic within within everyone, whether you're having children, whether your friends are having children, whether you're going to have grandchildren, whatever it is, it's just, it's like frightening numbers that are out there. But today, I definitely want to talk to you to bring more awareness to it, not only to autism, but what it's like as a mom with a child with autism and what it's like with your family as you're going through this today. So. MJ is your boy. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about boy. your son, MJ. Boy. Yeah. How uh, old is MJ? MJ is 12 now. He's going to be 13 in May. So I'm going to have an official teenager. I can't believe it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. He's um, funny. He's very sweet and loving. And he's just an amazing kid. He's an, as you know, he's an amazing kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's my heartbeat right there. Um, yeah. He can do no wrong in my eyes, by the way. He can get anything <laughs> and do no wrong. But um, in March of 2016, the CDC reported that one in 42 boys are affected by um, autism, which is also referred to as ASD. And for those who aren't aware of what that is, ASD is autism spectrum disorder. And This disorder refers to a range of conditions characterized by challenges with social skills, 
repetitive behaviors, nonverbal communication with their speech, but as well as unique strengths and differences. And um, according to Autism Speaks, there's not one autism, but many types. So it causes different, a different combination of like genetics and environmental influences. So that's what, when you hear ASD, that's what they're talking about is the autism spectrum disorder. And so one in 42 boys are affected by this, but one in 189 girls are affected by this. And even with those extremely high stats, they also say that children are not being identified as early as they could be. So Nick, why do you think this is happening? Do you think this is this delay? Do you think this is something to do with the parents being unaware of the signs, being in denial, or do you think this has to do with the doctors? I think it's a combination of both. Um, and, and I'll just be honest. I didn't know much about autism before MJ mm-hmm. was diagnosed. So I think it's the fact that a lot of parents they've never come in contact with it. Maybe they don't have a close friend whose child is affected by autism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they, they don't really know. So between that and then doctors, um, maybe not being as educated as they could be on the subject mm-hmm. and parents, I, I just have to be real and, and be honest. Some parents, um, ignore the signs or they think it might be something else, which, I did for a while, Mm -hmm. Um, and unfortunately, time keeps going on and on until because every day makes a difference. You can't ignore it anymore. Exactly. So, before MJ, did you personally know of any families that were affected by autism, or did you have any friends that their children had autism? No, no, not one to to my recollection. Not one. I was the first. back then um, mm-hmm. that had a child with autism. And, and since uh, then, do you find, do, do you have any other friends now that have children with autism? Definitely, yes. Wow. We, we know um, plenty of people now whose, whose child has autism, mm-hmm. boys and girls, boys so and girls. So. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that all kids are screened at ages 18 to 24 months. Did you see signs in MJ that early? It's so funny when people mention um, the signs because a lot of the signs MJ never had. Um, Mm -hmm. Even now, when you go on certain websites, it talks about um, uh, the the baby not babbling or the baby not Mm -hmm. having any speech or pointing or smiling. MJ did all of those things. Right. did all of those things you know, up until 18 months, even after 18 months, but still he's diagnosed with autism. So it's for, for MJ. Um, I don't know if you remember, Mm -hmm. but it was his speech where we thought it was just a speech delay. However, he he still had speech. He was Mm -hmm. still saying his words, boy and ball and video. That was a favorite word. Right. And then all of a sudden it changed and it stopped and it regressed and, so it's, I mean, this is a fear of every parent that every parent has this from the moment their child is born. It's like hearing anything other than your baby or child is fine from the moment they're born to every doctor's appointment. And so what was your experience while going through the actual diagnosing process? What, what was that? I, like? I really, I just, 
I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Um, Did you face challenges with your doctors while find, trying to find this out? The doctor that <laughs> the doctor that we were going to did not help us one bit. Oh, the doctor that we were going to actually told us to wait on MJ's um, speech. Oh, wait, it's going to be okay. He's not two years old yet. Give it a chance. Boys take longer. Mm-hmm. And all the while, that was crucial time right. where we could have had him in services much sooner. But we listened to the doctor. You know, we we really, we didn't know any better back then. We just listened to what the doctor told us and we waited. And all the while he was um, extremely hyper and and he didn't have the speech that he should have had at that age. Because I remember one of the things, um, one of the things that came up was air infections or the canal being too small or draining and all of these other things. Uh, Do you feel like, when your doctor's telling you, okay, it may be just, you know, a hearing problem, maybe hear ear infection or, you know, put in different tubes into the ear and stuff. Do you feel right. like that was just a runaround of them not knowing Definitely. what they were doing? Exactly. It was just like a shot in the dark. Okay. Yeah. Well, this kid, you know, his speech is not there. Oh, maybe he's not hearing you. Oh, does he have um, reoccurring ear, ear infections? Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's put the tubes in his ears. Okay, well, that didn't work. Okay, well, let's just wait now longer. Let's right. wait a little bit longer, you know, and see what happens there. So I, I really don't think the doctors were educated enough on autism to even know the signs or, or, or anything. If they did, then I'm sure they would have told us, right. you know, and right. MJ would have gotten help sooner. So what going through this now with MJ, that's going to be 13, um, what are some of the early signs that parents or caregivers and or family members should be looking out for um, with their children or with the kids or with their child? You know, what are some of the earlier things now looking back that um, you would connect to it? Definitely the speech. Don't wait on the speech. If your child is not speaking at all um, by 18 months, that's Mm -hmm. a huge issue. Mm -hmm. If your child is not pointing and making gestures, you know, other communication, that's a huge issue. If your child is um, playing in the corner while everyone else Mm -hmm. is playing together and it happens every day all the time, that's the problem. Those are are the warning signs that. I think, you know, run to the doctor immediately. Yeah. Don't waste any time. Um, and that's what we noticed with MJ actually also was the social interaction or lack mm-hmm. lack of it. That yeah. was another another issue we noticed with him. So if for a parent that might be out there, and I don't know if this time now, if the doctors are as reluctant to diagnose as maybe they were back then, or maybe I would assume now with so much more awareness and so many more families being affected by this, that the doctors can probably identify a lot faster. I or want so. to identify. I sure hope so. But I yeah. mean, the stuff that um, is really challenging is when you're a parent and you go in with your child and you tell them, Hey, here's my concern. This is what is happening. And then you're somewhat being dismissed of being paranoid or, you know, overthinking or impatient. Is there an alternative 
place that um, people can go to if their doctors don't want to diagnose or you have to go that route? Really, um, I always say stick with your gut. And back then, I, I knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I was just assuming it was only his speech issue. But um, I would say find another doctor. If, if, yeah. if that doctor is not doing it, find another doctor. Talk to your child's, um, if your child is in preschool, they can talk to their child's preschool teacher to mm-hmm. literally ask them what they think. And a lot of those child care um, centers have people that they work with yeah. that they can refer you know, them to you and you can go there and get um, testing and things like that. For us, it was actually a daycare worker that helped us. Wow. She, told my husband, she told my husband, look, you know, a therapist came in today and the therapist realized something different about MJ. And Mm -hmm. they suggest that you contact your, your local school system. And that's exactly what we did. We started was, it was one of the teachers. Yes. Hmm. It was one of the teachers um, that was talking with the therapist and then they relayed that information to us. And I, I thank God for them. I really thank God for them because that is really what started the ball rolling, mm-hmm. not the doctor. <laughs> Should wow. have been the doctor, right. but it wasn't the doctor. It was his child care center at the time. And I immediately called the school system and said, look, I have a child that I think we have some issues going on with. Can you please send someone over to assist us with this and test, mm-hmm. test him? And it all started from there. So this is... Um... This is one of the things, too, where there are so many programs within the public school system, and I know, like, across the country, it's not the same offerings that are there in every state. But when when you see or when you do get this diagnosis, um, then how does the school, how do you get the school involved, or how do they become involved in making sure that the education, the environment, um, and the socializing atmosphere for your child is what it should be and what it needs to be for them to, you know, to progress in a positive way. Right, right. Um, yes, every, every state is different, but almost every state has an early intervention program mm-hmm. or an early intervention system, something like that, that works with the school system in your area. So once you call the school system, they get you in contact with um, the early intervention specialist, Mm -hmm. and then they will come to your house or you'll go to them. You fill out a lot of paperwork, (laughs) a lot Mm -hmm. of paperwork, um, and then they go from there testing your child. From there, there's a plan set up, and I can't remember the name of the plan, that's set up even before your child gets into the school system. and once they get into the school system, it's the IEP, the Individualized Education Plan, mm-hmm. that's put into place. And that plan basically details everything that your child needs to be successful in school. And it has, um, if your child needs physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech mm-hmm. therapy, all of that is available through the school system. So for you to be able to access, or for a family or, you know, parent to be able to access these different programs that are available um, at the school? Do they have to have an official diagnosis first? Or if they're going, if your child is going through the testing process, can you start incorporating these things? 
That's a very good question. I think I they have to have an IEP. Okay, they have to have that plan in place that says that they need the services, which mm-hmm. means that they have to have a diagnosis. Okay. So even though at the onset MJ didn't have the autism diagnosis, mm-hmm. he still had a diagnosis of speech delay. Okay. He still had, you know what I mean? He still yeah. had a diagnosis of um what was it back then? learning, not learning disability. It was actually something else. So he was still, I hate to say it, but labeled. And so because of of the labels, though, he was able to get those services that he needed while in school. And then the school continued testing him. And then the school actually diagnosed him with autism first. Um, And it was the way they worded it. Um, The child displays behaviors associated with autism. Okay. And so how long is this testing process? Like, like, oh my gosh. It, I mean, because if you're telling me that you need to have the official diagnosis to be able to get what you have available to you with that diagnosis, I mean, from beginning to end, are you looking at a couple of months? Or? It, was, it was a couple of months, at least with the school system, it was a couple of months. But because um, we started the early intervention program, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff was, was done through them. And so it kind of just filtered over to um, the school system and his okay. IEP. So, get you, so you personally got the diagnosis through the school system or through your doctor? Through the school system first. And then I took that paperwork and I took it to, it was a place called the Autism Clinic because mm-hmm. that's a, this is a whole nother show. <laughs> but <laughs> the insurance to even get your child diagnosed back then, yeah. there was nobody who would diagnose him officially. They were called, oh my gosh, um, not behavioral pediatricians. Um, there's another name mm-hmm. and they didn't take insurance. So the people that could diagnose your child did not take insurance. And so it was a blessing when I saw something called autism clinic Mm -hmm. and it was happening at a hospital in Atlanta. And I took my paperwork there from the school and to make a long story short, when MJ was finally seen, he looked at MJ, he looked at the paperwork and he's like, yes, this is definitely autism. So what is he, he wrote the official diagnosis? What is frightening about what you're saying, too, is that for families who may not have insurance or may not have, you may have insurance, but then it's finding a place that will take your insurance. Exactly. um, Or on the other side of it, you're not financially in a position to pay up front Mm -hmm. to have these different tests done or to go and see these doctors. So you're saying that then these children, you're just, what, hung out to dry? I mean, what, what happens in a case like that? I'm just, I'm hoping that it has changed since then. Mm-hmm. This was, MJ was officially diagnosed in 2007, and I'm really hoping that it's changed since, since then and that regular doctors can diagnose the, um, the child. Oh, it was called developmental pediatricians. Okay. Those were the name of the pediatricians back then. They were the only ones who could officially diagnose your child. And so nowadays I really hope it's different. I really hope, you know, it's opened up and it's broadened. And now, you know, children are able to be diagnosed by their regular doctor. So this, um, 
this different, the facilities that you, you said you went to, um, the autism clinic. And then I know there's like Marcus, there's something in Atlanta the called Marcus Institute. the Marcus Institute, like yeah. with these facilities, do you have like an extremely long waiting to get an appointment? Because I mean, with these numbers, like one in 42 boys and that, I mean, there are a lot of babies Honestly. being born every day. So there's a lot yeah. of children. So yeah. for you to actually be able to get into, have this done, if you're not having it done through school, I mean, is that now an additional weight for you to get in to see somebody? Yes. And I don't know if you remember this, pretty sure <laughs> I vented to you about it mm -hmm. when I, when I called the Marcus Institute and, you know, God bless them. Thank God they're in existence, but I was in a panic. And when I did call them, I remember them saying um, that it would be six months. He was oh. on a waiting list. And so I believe I kept them on the waiting list, but I couldn't believe it was that long. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, I can't wait six months. I cannot have my yeah. son wait six months. What am I going to do? Right. And, you know, that it was the panic back then. But like I said, I sure hope it's, <laughs> I sure hope it's different now. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. It's, um, I mean, it, it's, I, I do remember, I remember the phone, the millions of phone calls that you made. I remember the numerous appointments that you were trying to have done. I remember the different people that were coming to your home and, you know, the questionnaires and all the paperwork and all of the stuff that you had to go through. And um, it's the not knowing because yeah. all of this is for you just to find out what's going on. So that the anxiety of going through that process and you haven't even heard anything yet. Exactly. Really difficult really difficult so during marriages and parenting and re just regular relationships one of the things that they always recommend is for each individual to have create or maintain their own separate outlet or me time so do you have a personal <laughs> coping outlet <laughs> does that exist let me in your just life? say back <laughs> then there was zero me time <laughs> There was not any me time. There was just MJ time. Right. And, and then after that, it was my daughter that was born the year he was diagnosed. My daughter mm -hmm. was born. So yeah. there was, you know, zero me time at that point. But that is so true. It's so necessary and so needed. And um, I definitely didn't, didn't get enough of that back then. I didn't. And, and I believe it would have helped um, with stress and coping mm -hmm. and, and all the that. But I didn't get any. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know? I just, because I mean, you're developing, first of all, how do you mentally wrap oh. your brain around it <laughs> after the diagnosis? How I know. does that go? I mean, what's happening at that point? I, I just remember um, crying, bawling, maybe, maybe for a day or an evening just crying. And then literally the next day I was like, okay, that's a wrap. Crying <laughs> is over. Time to get to work. Right. And that's when I started the phone calls and, and, and everything else. And poor hubby, he was, you know, like, what, you know, right. basically what, what's going on? What are you talking about? That kind of thing. And I literally said, I don't even have time to sit here and be, and feel sorry for myself. Right. I, I have to keep going. Um, and when I realized it was going to be difficult to get him diagnosed and, and to start getting other help, 
mm-hmm. without having, you know, a million dollars, I had to take things into my own hands and I started doing things on my own. Like research and so, online and stuff like yes, that was helpful. Researching. Um, there was one book that I read and, you know, she's very controversial. Um, Jenny McCarthy, mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. that's her name. She had a book about her son at the time. And I know a lot of people have their own issues with her. But yeah. let me just tell you, that book gave me hope. Yeah. If it was not for that book, I, I don't know. It so, gave me hope because she had things in there that she did with her own son that I was able to do at home with MJ. And they were helpful. And extremely help, helpful, you know, even with who to call and little things that you can do. So I, I actually, <laughs> I love her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cause there's, she there's, was like the friend in the book that was there. <laughs> and, you know, there, read, <laughs> yes, literally, I read the book twice. I'm like, okay okay, if she can do it, all right, let me, you know, let me buckle down and, and do this. And I don't, do you ever wrap your head around it? I guess you do at some point, right? I guess so. Because I but mean, it just kind of happens while you're going through it. Right. Because you just you know? go into overdrive because you have so much. I would just remember that there okay. was a continuous um, motion of research every single day in yep. your life. Mm-hmm. I definitely remember that. There's um, like you have Tony Braxton. Yeah. That um, there's there's other celebrities right now. Yeah. There's this uh this show, reality show. Um, I'll let you say what the name of it is because I know that you enjoy it. That for Pete's sake. Yeah, for Pete's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that things and sh- that when celebrities come out about their journey and they talk about it, or now with a show like this, their kids are older than MJ. Do you find this to be helpful, or is it showing you things that you don't? Your mind. Oh my gosh, it's so helpful because you you see this kid and you're like, wow, if he can do that. MJ can do that, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, or maybe something similar, or it just makes you not put limits on your child when right. you see, you know, other kids flourishing and right. doing well. Right. And when you know her story and you see where her little boy started from, and then you look at him now, it's, it's just amazing. It's amazing. And for those who aren't um, aware of it, for Pete's sake, it actually airs. Do you, do you remember the network that it airs on, Nikki? It's on the OWN Network. The OWN Network. And this is a reality show with Holly Robinson, Pete, and her family. And Holly Robinson has a son with autism. And he's now a young man with autism. And he's functioning. And it just shows a family dynamic um, with the siblings and them as a couple and um, with the grandmother involved and just the dynamics of how they're flourishing and how you view they view him as not someone that has a handicap or they never talk to him in a manner of um that he has a disability it's just observing him as unique in the way that he is but they don't clamp him down it's like showing him with a job showing him with you know just how he's wanting his independence. And so it's a really, really great show um, for those who aren't aware of it. And I, I enjoy, I enjoy watching it as well. Um, 
and it's good to hear from your point of view with having MJ that this is, it's helpful for you to see that too. Yes, for me, it's very, very motivational. Very motivational. How can family and friends be a helpful part of a family that is raising a child with autism? Well, um, one thing I have to say to you is just thank you because you've always been a listening ear from, you know, I can remember from the minute I told you about this, Mm -hmm. you've always been open and you've always listened. You haven't judged. And that's like, number one is let the person talk to you, listen to what Mm -hmm. they're saying without judgment, let them vent, let them cry. All of that is amazing. And one thing too is babysitting. That's mm-hmm. also a whole, a whole nother show. Right. But, um, cause you need the time you, can, you need the time. And if you can in any way help out a family by just, Hey, you know, let me, let me come over and, and just, you know, stay with your child for a couple hours. You, you know, go to target, go to, go out to dinner, whatever it is. So, um, so here's the other that side of that. Tremendous help. If someone offers that, are you in the frame of mind to actually take them up on the offer? Or when you do end up taking them up on the offer, are you in a state of panic the entire time that you're away? <laughs> <laughs> now, gonna be honest. Okay, it depends on who's asking. Okay. If you know, if it's a close um, friend, definitely. You're going to love for them to come over Um, at the same time. Yes, you are going to still, you know, think about it a little bit, but it's still very nice to be able to get out and just not, not think about it for a while, especially Mm -hmm. when the child is younger. Um, It, it really just gives you that "Ah," for just a little bit, you know, that relaxation time so that you can then come back in and, and do everything that you need to do. Um, that's, that's really helpful. Even, even dinner, you know, cooking a meal, sending it over, you know, little things like that really aren't little. They really, they really mean a lot. What are some of the things that, um, you would recommend like for a family that's just gotten the diagnosis or they're in the early stages of it and pulling their hair out and wondering if they can actually find someone to babysit their child because they're figuring, I'm sure, who can we ever get that's going to want to come into our home and exactly. Is there certain, what are some of the key things or are there certain things that they need to look for as the parents in a babysitter? in knowing if this is the right match? Really, the, the person has to know about autism. You know, mm-hmm. they just have to be educated on it. That, that to me, is, is one of the number one things. A lot of um, people, even babysitters, they just don't have the knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so you have to let them know about autism first. And then in addition to that, there's a saying um, in the ASD community, and it says, when you've met one child with autism, you've met one child with autism, because they're all so different. Right. What works for one may not work for the other. And so right. the other part of that is letting them know about your specific kid. This right. is autism, but it, for my kid, this, this is what he does, or this is what he or she likes, or, or things like that. Right. Um, 
that's extremely important. And it's extremely difficult to get a babysitter. It, it, it extremely, we didn't do that until MJ was much older. Right. But parents can um, look up respite services in their area to see um, who can provide the respite service for them. Which and what is, is you know, that? Just, what service is that? Really, respite, R-E-S-P-I-T-E. And it's basically just, you know, giving you a little break, giving huh. you a little break. Okay. Um, you know, so that you can relax a little bit while somebody else is the caregiver for your child. And just and, like what you said, um, where if you meet one child with autism, you meet one child with autism. That's where in the term autism spectrum disorder, the spectrum exactly. portion of it is what that is talking about, because that reflects yeah. like the variation and um, the challenges and strengths from each person. There's a unique right. with each individual person that is diagnosed with it and it's a, there's such a range so there's there's many different stages many different levels many different severities and yeah. again on top of all of that each child on their own is an individual exactly yeah so exactly. over the years what do you find to be the most or the huge misconception um of people or children with autism or about autism on a whole? A lot of people think that they never like to hug. They don't like to be touched. Mm -hmm. they, they, they can't be affectionate. And that is not every child with autism. Some yeah. children are sensitive to the touch and, and they don't like it. Mm -hmm. But that's not everyone. MJ, for example, he loves, loves to hug. Mm -hmm. He loves it. Mm -hmm. He can, and he does show affection, but a lot of people think that they can't, you know, they can't do that. Another misconception is that they aren't as smart as right. everybody else. Right. And that is not nowhere close to the truth. Right. You know, they may have issues in other areas, but they can learn just like every other child. It's just the way that they're taught and so, it may take a little bit longer, but yeah. they'll get there. I remember hearing someone um, describe autism and or someone who is dealing with autism is like being inside of a glass box where you're fully aware of everything that you're hearing. You fully understand everything right. that's going on and you know exactly what you want to respond and say, but that glass is preventing the person on the outside from hearing clearly what you have in your mind and what you want to, you know, convey. Yeah. So it's a block. So it, there's is nothing with the understanding or the ability exactly. to respond. It's just that there's a block that's preventing it from coming out um, clearly. Right. So right. when you have people who get around children with autism and they say things thinking that the child doesn't understand, the child That's so hears far from everything. The truth. They, they hear everything. They just may not be able to communicate, you know, what they're hearing and, and the way that we do, but mm -hmm. they, they're, they're hearing, <laughs> they're hearing everything. It's definitely. I mean, since the, um, MJ, well, and for the listeners, just a little background on it. So Nikki and I were pregnant at the same time. I think we had the same due dates, didn't we? 
a week apart. Yeah. <laughs> and I was pregnant with London and Nikki was pregnant with MJ. So we went through our entire pregnancy together. And Nikki was actually the one who made me realize that I needed to check if I was pregnant, if that makes any sense <laughs> at all. Because we have we've literally grown up together. We're just, I mean, keeping it real. We were in sync to the point where our cycles were on the same schedule. <laughs> and exactly. I was traveling for work and um, I was in New York for a couple of weeks. And then when I came back, Nikki called and she was in a state of panic. She's like, Oh my God, my period's a week late. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Your period can't be a week oh late. Mine hasn't come on yet. And um, <laughs> she was like, no, seriously. And I was like, oh, I remember this. <laughs> what? Wait a minute. So I'm like, you know, back in the day, we're pulling out the little um, calendar that's on the top of our checkbooks. Exactly. That we have, you know, a little circle on there with our dates and whatnot. And, um, then I realized I was like, holy smokes, uh, my period didn't come on either. <laughs> so, so she actually we were like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Completely in a state of panic. And um, yeah. I was like, no, maybe it's because I was just working, right. traveling, whatever. <laughs> well, let's just say, like, I think it was some days later or whatever. Um, I had... I had dinner and like after dinner, this wolf of nausea came out of nowhere. And, and that was it. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Am I pregnant? Because <laughs> I'm oh my God. To, am I like thinking, you know, it's yeah. and whatever. And I remember that um I I told Mike, I was like, babe we have to go to the pharmacy right now. And I'm shaking, literally shaking the entire drive there. We came back with multiple ones and he's sitting on the sink. I'm sitting on the toilet and we're waiting. And I literally called Nikki from the toilet. And I was like, you won't believe, oh my God. <laughs> and then a few days later was her turn because her period exactly. had not come on, came yeah. on. And uh, yeah, you called me and I was in Barnes and Nobles. I remember that phone call very clearly when you <laughs> called. And so that oh to say, God. we went through the entire um, process yep. together and our kids were born one week apart. Like she was in labor and denial of labor when she came to the hospital when I had London. Like she's sitting yep. across from me having contractions and then, yeah. Mm -hmm. A week later. <laughs> but um, Oh, man, those were the good days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, one thing I have to definitely say is just how, um, and I, was, I didn't respond when you said um, the thank yous earlier because my eyes literally were walk, watered up and I knew that if I even cracked my lip, I would have started I know, crying. I know. Yeah, you've been amazing. Absolutely. This, um, so I feel like with MJ, I, I, I'm, I would just turn this world upside down for him. I, I just think he's so brilliant and he's so loving. I mean, I get my kisses and my yeah. hugs from him. And um, he's so in tuned with things that have gone over our heads. And 
I mean, what are some of the things about MJ that has blown your mind? Well, even with the way he learned to read, mm-hmm. he learned to read very young. I didn't think he was going to ever learn how to read, but um, he learned how to read very, very quickly. And mm-hmm. it was because of, you know, do you remember those flashcards I would use with him all the time? Yes. The flashcards yes. and the labeling of things in the house. Mm-hmm. And so his reading really amazed me first when he was younger. I had no idea that he was going to learn how to read one and then learn that well. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing is the computer. I still don't understand how he knows how to maneuver with the computer the way he does. And just, he finds these different websites and plays these games and, you know, no one Mm -hmm. has taught him. Nobody shows him. He just has learned how to do it. He knows how to use the electronics, you know, with the TV and the Wii and the this and that from when he was younger. He would always amaze us with things like that. And he, he's really good at memorizing numbers, as mm-hmm. you know, people's mm-hmm. telephone numbers. Because yeah. he yeah, calls he, me. Yeah. And you're nowhere around. <laughs> I'm nowhere around. I have no clue that he's even talking. We just sometimes hear him, hi, auntie. And then, you know, we're like, okay, I guess he's calling someone. Um, so things like that. And, and even little things like I, I forgot where I, I parked my car. But MJ doesn't. MJ oh. is walking, and I'm like, well, let me follow him. Right. He knows exactly where we parked. Just, just things like that, you know? Yeah. And so they, the early detection is extremely beneficial. I mean, yes. for a number of different reasons. So how old was he with the actual diagnosis? He was three. He was, he was three. three years old. And, and then at three, he started the early intervention program within the school system. And he started getting speech therapy and occupational therapy Mm -hmm. twice a week from the age of three. And do you see how the early intervention has made a difference? Amazing. An amazing difference um, with his handwriting, with his speech back then. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember that he he would try to say things, but we just could not understand what right. he was saying. Right. And through speech therapy, and back then we were using something called PECS. It's, mm-hmm. it's um, P-E-C-S, the Picture Exchange Communication System. And you may remember it because around the house, they were they were pictures of like foods. And, yes. And he would be, you know, he'd be, be able to communicate by picking up a picture and showing it to me because that's what he wanted, you know, maybe juice or, or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I remember with you though, um, that you had, okay, listeners, let me just tell you about Nikki. Cause she's not going to say this for herself, but I will definitely tell you, this is a mom that grabbed the bull by the horns. I mean, literally because the flashcards that she mentioned before she's been doing flashcards with MJ since I believe before the diagnosis even became yeah. official. Yeah. Um, there are different things that she came up with. There's posters that were around the house with pictures and words on it for him to be able to express himself. Um, there are so many interactive activities that she had going on on a daily basis, religiously. And there is nobody on this planet that can tell me that because that the way MJ is now and how advanced he is, is for any other reason other than Nikki's involvement. 
and her dedication, all of the research that she was doing, she was forever on the phone, whether it had to do with the insurance or the doctor's office or therapy or the programs. And it, it just blows my mind because so many people fall into a hole of sadness or this is it. And you think this is the end of the world. Like she literally grabbed up her baby, put a baby on her hip and was like, well, how are we going to fix this? And that has just been it till now. I mean, there's therapies that he's still doing from all the way back then that you always make sure that he's up on every single appointment, every therapy appointment, every kind of, you know, involvement or activity that's going to benefit him you're there and you're doing it with no complaint ever i I have never heard you complain like you're frustrated about what you have to do never ever ever in all of these years heard that yes that's my boy god (laughs) gave him to me and that's it you know that's it just buckle up yeah and let's go you know yeah that's how that's how I've I've had to do it and and just handle it every step of the way one day at a time. So it's one of the things though that I did want to I definitely want to ask you about for, because for so many years and for a long time, uh, many families believed and probably still believe that the vaccines or a combination of was the cause of autism or was causing it to increase. Was this the case? Did you feel that this was what happened with MJ? Again, got to be honest and real. And when we noticed changes in MJ, it was after his medical appointment. It was. Um, Like I said before, a lot of the signs that are even still um, used today, MJ didn't display any of those signs. Mm -hmm. Even um, with the speech, he was speaking but it was one word. It wasn't two words. And that's where, you know, our, our issue was. So I can't count that out Mm -hmm. as a mom. I can't Mm -hmm. count it out. I know what the studies have said. There's no link between the, I know that, but when you go through it with your child and you literally look at my notes, which you know I had yes. <laughs> from doctor's appointments and words he was saying, and you look at, okay, this is when he got that vaccine, this is when he got, and then you see that things changed after that. Yeah. I can't count it out. You know, so you a lot of pretty much, say, You can pretty much pinpoint when you saw a shift or delay. Yes, the time period. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so that's why even when I hear these things, my gut, my gut, it just won't let it go. That yeah. maybe yeah. It, there could be a correlation. Yeah. You know, I, I honestly can't count it out. And I know what people say, but, mm-hmm. you know, I can only go from my experience. And I did notice a change after. Um. What I wanted to ask you too, because I definitely want anyone who's listening that's going through it now, what suggestions do you have for moms and dads that are feeling overwhelmed and also feeling alone? The first thing I want to say is hope. Mm -hmm. Don't lose hope. 
whatever you do, don't lose hope. If you have to put that all around your house and every room on the wall, don't lose hope because the hope allows you to keep going. Mm -hmm. And another thing um, that they can definitely do that I wish I did back then is to reach out to other autism moms Mm -hmm. and dads or special needs parents because they get it. You can exchange information of what works with your child and what Mm -hmm. may not. And it's just um, bonding and more education for the parents. Teamwork is crucial also. If if you do have a a spouse or or somebody that can really be on your team, Mm -hmm. um, teamwork is crucial. And I know that's how I've been able to do it also. Thank God for hubby because we've we've been a team regardless of how sad we were or Mm -hmm. upset or whatever. We've always been a team. So what are some of the extracurricular activities um, that you found to be beneficial for you and for MJ and beneficial for you because you were there and with other moms or parents that were going through it as well. And when he was younger um, and where we were living at the time, there weren't a lot of extracurricular activities available, mm-hmm. which was re- really hurtful. There just, they, no. there weren't any, there right. weren't any. And if they, they were, they were so much money. They mm-hmm. were thousands of dollars. Wow. and extremely far and you know I just wasn't able to do it um since we've moved and now that he's older mm-hmm. I've been able to thank God for the YMCA um because mm-hmm. they've been awesome with their after school program for special needs kids with um their buddies program which MJ has taken a part of basketball buddies and swim buddies um mm-hmm. in our area and I would say for any parent of a child with autism seek out your local ymca and Mm -hmm. see what programs they have to offer there's excellent programs not a lot of money and we're we're loving it and it's it's great for the whole family that's what i was going to ask if the ymca programs are expensive but they're not no the the buddy programs that we're we're currently in no they're very reasonable you know, um, you know, I'm not a millionaire and I'm able to, <laughs> yet, <laughs> to yet. Pay, <laughs> pay the fee. And it's so great to see him having fun with other kids and gaining that self-esteem and feeling confident. And it just makes you feel so good as a parent. And mm-hmm. my daughter loves it too. So excellent. How YMCA. long have how, the YMCA? Okay. So guys, if you're hearing that, definitely don't be discouraged or feeling like you have to have a lot of money to do this stuff. Check out the YMCA. Um, is online a good outlet to also look for different activities and programs or do oh, yes. recommendations better? They can all, all, always do a local search. They can search on Facebook as well about local programs and their local um, autism chapters that they have in the area. Um, I know there's different autism networks that each state may have, so they can definitely just Google that and and Google, you know, autism activities in my area, even Mm -hmm. something as simple as that, and see what pops up. And it's going to take time. They're going to have to make a lot of phone calls. They're going to have to ask questions. But if you keep at it, you will find something. Okay. 
All right, so I have um, a couple last questions for you. And this now has to do with your hubby and marriage because the stats, there's- <laughs> Need a whole show for that, Shazon. <laughs> so it's like there were like so many different stats and speculations that there's like 80% divorce rate among marriages with parents and children with autism. And this is really high and frightening numbers and high percentage. And so I, I looked into it. I, I did some research. And as I was doing the research, I came across some different studies. And there's one in particular by Friedman and, Friedman and Kalb. And um, that one in particular stood out to me. And the doctor's name is Dr. Brian Friedman. And he's the lead author on the study. And this study was done on like um, over seven, almost 78,000 parent interviews um, with children ranging of the ages of 13 to 17. And through these parents, not all of them had children with autism. There is about uh, 900 of the parents that ended up saying that their children were diagnosed or they did have children with ASD. And during the study, it revealed from multivariate analysis that there was no evidence that suggested children with ASD are at an increased risk for living in a household that's um, not comprised of two biological or adoptive parents in comparison to children without it. So I know that those numbers have been debunked, the 80% and these high numbers and the different researches that I read, it's not showing that this is factual. There are like generalized researches that were done with different disorders, but when you got into the ones with autism, this 80% number that was being thrown out there um, is not a, a, it's not a legitimate number, mm -hmm. you know, this percentage. So how long have you been married? 14 years. And has this taken a toll or did it take a toll on your marriage? Oh, yes, definitely. Especially um, when he was diagnosed and a few years after, after that, it's just very difficult. And, you know, in my situation, this mm -hmm. is his son. Yeah. This is his son. And so a lot of the things that you wished um you know from when you were a kid of what you would do with your son well it's different now you know right. you might not be able to do some of those things or you right. might have to do it a little bit differently or you may have to wait longer to do them so it's it's difficult and so and you know we don't always agree on things and mm -hmm. you know he may think oh I should do this with him and I'm like no I want to do that with him and mm -hmm. <laughs> so we go back and forth but it's it's you just have to keep talking to each other, keep communicating with each other. When tensions are too high, you got to mm -hmm. cool off. You got to give it a cool off period. And then you come back to the table and you try to communicate with each other again. And this but, is where that support system would be yes. really helpful from friends and family oh, yeah. to kind of help you to get away for that yeah. moment just to like, you know, regroup it's this so important it comes in yes it's very important to do so, that are you able to do date nights do you recommend having these date nights are these like number one date night okay. yes <laughs> it's extremely important and i know it's so hard for so many people but like i said search out people mm -hmm. don't be afraid to ask 
I was afraid to ask Yeah. when he was younger. Um, don't be afraid to ask because it's going to help you in the long run. It's going to help your family. Date nights are so important. doesn't have to be all night. It can be a, a couple of hours mm-hmm. and that gives you enough to charge your batteries. But um, that helped us um, when my son was younger, my, my dad and my, my stepmom would take him um, mm-hmm. and my daughter, you know, overnight. And that really was amazing for us because we were able to get that time um, that we needed every once in a while, mm-hmm. you know? So that's the number one recommendation is make, make time for date nights. Yes. If at all possible, mm-hmm. try to have mm-hmm. a date night. I know it's, it's, it's really difficult for some families. They just can't do it or it depends on the child and right. it's so hard, but if at all possible that it really helps for so, the parents to stay connected. As we um, as we go, are there any websites that have been a great asset to you that you would recommend? Um, Autism Speaks um, mm-hmm. is one that they can go to for information, and it has different websites on that website that they can go to as well. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's um, uh, the NationalAutismNetwork.com mm-hmm. is another another one, and autism-society.org is another one that has loads of information about autism and just great advice. And my thing is just research, research Mm -hmm. online, get books, do whatever that you, you know, whatever you can do to keep going and to help your child become the best that they can be. That's what I'm doing. Where can people find you? Where can people find your blog and I, find you online? I have um, a blog called Nikki's Day with Autism.com and it's mm-hmm. N I C K Y S D A Y with Autism.com. And I basically um, I started it a couple years ago mm-hmm. when I fa- finally felt like I could. <laughs> Yeah. really, really talk about everything that I've been going through and everything that we've gone through as a family. Mm-hmm. And so I have that page. I have a few suggestions there of things that I did when MJ was younger and just little tidbits about things that happens in our daily and weekly life. Right. Mm-hmm. So this, um, and then do you have anywhere else on social media or is that the, the best outlet to find you? that's the best outlet to find me because okay. they, they can message me there. They can leave comments and mm-hmm. yes. Okay. So that's Nikki's day with autism.com. Nikki, thank you so, so thank much you. for being here. I appreciate awesome. this so much. And um, I, I mean, I, I think that you're just amazing and in thank your mission you. to bring awareness um, and enlightenment because so it's not something that is always so much of a dark, gloomy, and cloudy thing. Right. You know, you have an amazing time with your son. Yeah. And MJ yeah. is just, I mean, as he's just a comedian and <laughs> it's bright, you know what I mean? So, yeah, he's the greatest. He thank really you. Is. Um, and you definitely have my support 100% on. Thank your you. mission and as i mean outside of the mission this is this is life this is that's right this is your life yeah. so again thank you and guys 
you deserve to feel beautiful and to live an empowered life. Awareness is power. You've been listening to The Skinny with me, Shazan, and our guest, Nikki. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for next week's podcast. Thank you.